0: Hey, happy Christmas Eve, Eve, it is the fan drive time, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy, Merry Christmas to you, Blake, holy cow, we get a uh, pretty big news item to, to start the program here today, I kind of kind of thought this was around the time, well, in the National Hockey League, it factually is the time where you, you're not allowed to make moves, but I kind of thought executives in all sports were were taking a step back at this time of the year, apparently
1: not. Apparently not. No, the Toronto Blue Jays didn't want to do that. We work for Rogers, right? And I I sent the, the message in teams. I was like, look, if Ben and I are doing a show today instead of starting holidays, you guys better give us something to talk about. And don't come with that weak Brian Reynolds stuff. (laughs) No, they didn't. Let's get right into it. Today's top story brought to you by Thornhill
0: Toyota, your local Toyota store since 1969. Come for the history, stay for the future. Dufferin, north of Steels. the Toronto Blue Jays have traded Gabriel Moreno and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. to the Arizona Diamondbacks for outfielder slash catcher. Dalton Varshow for the uninitiated. And if you're a listener of this show, you are not uninitiated. You are well-initiated. Because this is a guy we've talked about plenty as a potential trade target. He's an elite, elite defender. Led Major League Baseball and outs uh, above average last season. He can play corner outfield. He can play center field. And he started 18 games at catcher last season appeared in about double that many uh, as a replacement he's 26 he's under team control until 2027 he hit 27 homers last season blake and his fan graphs war 4.6 would have led the toronto blue jays if he was on this team a season ago
1: this is a very large well there there are a couple things that are going to go into people's snap analysis of this and one is, and we'll talk about these two things a lot throughout the show, I'm sure. One is that we've spent the last two years talking about how Gabriel Moreno is this incredible catching prospect and could be the future of the position for the Blue Jays. Two is everyone loved Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Like, whether he was, uh, you know, whether you think he's a lesser player than his overall stat line might suggest or what, he was a very likable guy, and they had already gotten rid of one likable guy. The biggest thing, though, is who is watching Arizona Diamondbacks games unless they're playing against the Padres or Dodgers? Like, I I don't know that they're a team a lot of people have tuned into the last two years. Uh, They won 74 games last year, weren't particularly relevant, again, unless they were playing against the Dodgers and Padres. And Dalton Varsho is fairly new to the scene as a two-plus-year guy. So maybe you haven't seen a lot of him, um, but the high level item here as a friend of mine uh who is uh works for baseball prospectus dm'd me at the time of the trade um bar is the best defensive center fielder in major league baseball now you can look at the stats and make arguments and you know we talked about with brian reynolds that you know i'm not a big believer that one year sample is enough um But this is a guy who played all over the diamond, also came up as a catcher, so he doesn't have a ton of experience in the outfield yet, and he's already this good. Um, The Jays have gone from having one of the shakiest defensive outfields in baseball to probably the best defensive outfield in baseball with this pair of moves with Kiermaier and and Dalton Varsho. So when we think ahead to things like, well, we don't know how the new ballpark will play yet, or the dimensions, or we don't know how much the Jays being able to put a fourth outfielder out there last year a lot of the time, you know, how do we quantify that? How do we adjust for that? Um, how do you, with a, a Kevin Gosman or a Yusei Kikuchi or Mitch White, how do you better insulate them from the ups and downs of Babbitt or, or just having rough nights if you're the other two? Well, your defense has gotten significantly better. Um, you know, whether, how you feel about trading offense for defense, that's yeah. a, another conversation we can have, but unquestionably, well, the Jays are so much better defensively today. Well, if you
0: and, – and you did that in regards to Teoscar Hernandez. If you just, like, view the Kevin Kiermeyer signing and the Teoscar Hernandez trade as, like, hey, you traded Teoscar Hernandez for Kevin Kiermaier. That's clearly offense for defense. I don't know if you can necessarily even say that this is that because – uh, Lourdes Guriel Jr. has had better offensive years, but last year they were, you know, the differences were negligible, uh, negligible as far as OPS between what Lourdes Guriel Jr. produced and what Dalton Varsho produced. Lourdes Guriel Jr. hit five home runs last year, right? Like he he issued uh, the home run power for average, and he was he was spraying the ball all over the place. Dal- Dalton Varshow is not an on-base machine by any stretch of the imagination. There's a big there's big holes in his swing and he's a low batting average guy but hit 27 home runs. His OPS is going to be built on his power and he has a pretty dramatic uh platoon split as well. So as a left-handed hitter, obviously there's more right-handed pitchers, so it's it's not as concerning if it were the other way around. But yeah, he's he's going to be tough tougher to play offensively against left-handed pitchers. But I would just say like Calling this a, a, an offense for defense move doesn't
1: feel all that accurate. The Blue Jays didn't get a ton of offense out of Lourdes Gurriel Jr. They didn't. And, you know, we talked, I think, yesterday about this idea that I don't think the front office has been as high on Lourdes Guriel Jr. as... Maybe I have, or, or some fans or analysts have been. Um, we were talking yesterday when that Brian Reynolds rumor was out there or the Ryan Reynolds possibility was out there that Lourdes Gurriel Jr. could get bumped to the fourth outfielder role or, or the the weak side of a platoon role. Um, I, I think he's more than that. I, I think, you know, when when the components have changed a lot, but you manage to be a 20% above league average at the plate over a handful of years... Um, that to me says it's a guy who can figure it out if the power's not there, if the contact's not there or whatever. But yeah, the upside to hit 27 home runs while you're playing premium defense at a premium yep. position, you know, I, I think even if they're say, WRC+, plus, which takes all this stuff and tries to put everyone on the same scale, controls for ballparks, et cetera, even if they were the same, I think you'd probably like what Dalton Varsha is giving you a little better, just because home runs offer some certainty. He does it from the left side. Um, there's also a pretty good case to be made that Varsho's a guy who will benefit a lot from the shift changes. Um, while he was only shifted against in about half of his plate appearances last year, he has he is a monster pull hitter. Like everything that he hits well is pulled. Uh, so. When you look at how teams might defend him and even just how his approach might change without the third guy on that side of second base, um, potential for, you know, whether it's his batting average overall and he becomes a a more well-rounded hitter or he just gets a little bit luckier than the 269 BABIP he had last year. I think the Jays could probably talk themselves into, well, this guy helps us massively defensively with the new shift rules and he's going to benefit from it offensively in a way that really Kevin biggio was the only blue jay um who had anything close to like a heavy uh uh, shift split
0: yeah because blue jays had no left-handed hitters essentially um and now they have uh, a bunch or at least two-thirds of their outfield is left-handed now with kevin kiermeyer in center and now dalton varsho i guess in left but like you said, this guy can play center field, and he can play it real, real well. He's not going to be the opening day center fielder if everybody's healthy because Kevin Kiermaier is, like, elite, elite at that position, and we'll see what he is uh, coming off uh, hip surgery at 34 years old. But certainly, like, as early as 2024, Dalton Varsho, you can pencil him in as your opening day center fielder. Like, that's that's yeah, the deal with this.
1: For sure, and, and that, that was kind of my issue with the Brian Reynolds thing where – uh, one of the things I kept getting stuck on was he doesn't resolve that issue post Ke- post Kiermaier, the center right. field thing. So you could you could come at this a lot of ways, right? Like you could put Varsho in left field and be like, look, he didn't play left field last year, but he was elite in center and right. Left field is yeah. the easy one. That, yeah. That's going to be no problem. And then that lets Kiermaier shade further over to the right side to help Springer, etc. cetera. You could also say, look, Varsho's got four years of control. We're going to put him in center from day one, and Kiermaier is going to use his range yeah. to be an elite left fielder. You could even go, hey, we really want to protect George Springer. He's now a left fielder. I don't think they'll do that. I don't know that Springer would love that, but that's a possibility as well because, again, Varsho was a really good uh, right fielder last year. So uh, a lot of different ways you can do this. Turns out your options are better when you have – Three really good defensive outfielders. Oh, by the way, he also catches. <laughs> yeah, which is um, which is not nothing,
0: right? And you, and you continually bring this up. And yes, he was, a, he as a prospect, he was a catcher because everybody's either a catcher or a center fielder or a shortstop. But he was a catcher converted to outfield. Uh, and he's pretty incredible as an outfielder. But, you know, had a 60th percentile pop time defensively behind the oh, plate yeah. last season <laughs>
1: as, as No, well. no, wait, wait, wait. You you you're forgetting the bit that we're we're supposed to commit to here is now that Gabriel Moreno has been traded. Pop time doesn't mean anything. Pop time's used. Right. We don't care about it anymore. No, we only care no, we... about it when uh, when Gabriel Moreno uh, was around. But no, you're right. This is uh, this is something I, I kept bringing up, and I think it's it's pretty important. Like, yeah, he was a catcher coming up. He did play outfield, like even in high school and college and stuff. He was always kind of a bounce around everywhere guy, but. Like, to have a guy who started 61 games at catcher at the major league level over the last yeah. three seasons, that frees you up to do the Kirk and Jansen at catcher and DH even more often without committing an extra roster spot to a third catcher. We were talking about if they had moved Jansen, say, you got to look for, like, the Tyler Heineman, Zach Collins right. type, someone who can come in and either, you know, take one of those DH days or, or strap on the the gear and catch a couple extra innings uh if you have to pinch run or pinch hit for a guy bar show insulates you against that against that where you know i'm sure fans remember the days of like oh john mcdonald's the emergency catcher if something were to happen <laughs> well guess what your emergency catcher is now a guy who caught you know 20 games a year over the last three years
0: yep yeah and uh, apparently can do it at a at a Better than average defensive level as well. So it's 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 um we'll talk plenty more about Varsho and uh, we have Kyla McDaniel coming up uh in the bottom half of this hour as well as Ben Nicholson Smith to continue to break this down. Let's talk a little bit about the guys that are going out out the door here for the Blue Jays. Mentioned the Lourdes Gurriel Jr. element of it. Um, he was a guy that um you know he had his moments. He he had a difficult time staying on the field at times certainly. But but played 141 games in 2021 and uh, 121 last year, and like I said, decided I guess to to hit for average as opposed to power a season ago. The defense was, well, it was um not great as far as uh, roots were concerned, but he made up for that with with a, a pretty good and accurate arm, gunning runners out from left field. He had. One more year of team control before he became a free agent. This is a guy that was routinely in trade rumors and conversations in off seasons. He finally gets moved. He was also, along with uh, Teoscar Hernandez, best buddies with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So Vlad's, and this is I'm I'm not talking from a place of like following the team every day and and having conversations with those players. I've been down to the ballpark couple of times when they're at home late in the season but yeah it it seems pretty clear that those were vlad's best buddies and now they're both gone and i'm not saying that two plus two necessarily equals four but it it is worth noting that in a down year for vladimir guerrero jr in a year in which he was publicly admonished for some lack of attention to detail on the field that his two best buds are no longer on this team anymore
1: it's notable for sure. And I think even if it's not the Vlad friendship component, uh, because Vlad strikes me as a guy who can make friends with a lot of people. He's a, he's a likable gregarious guy. I believe him and Otto Lopez have gotten tight and like even played on the same Dominican winter team and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I think it's relevant. It's also, if this front office believed that part of the issue with those attention to detail things um, were, certain personalities those are the two guys that you would point to now I'm not a I'm a I, I believe in that stuff like when it comes down to it you need to win a game and and the playoffs and stuff I don't really think it's too big a deal over you know the first 160 games or so I think guys who could keep it light um are you know helpful to have around and, and I think Teoscar and Lourdes Gurriel were very, very good players, even despite those things. Um, and again, I, I admit it off the top. I think I've always been a little higher on Guriel than the, the other people who, you know, analyze what he's doing at the at the plate and, and certainly in the field because I always got a kick out of the I'm going to run a bad route so I can gun you out yeah. strategy. Um, also, just while we're kind of saying um, happy pastures to Lourdes Gurriel Jr. as a Blue Jay, looking back on his rookie year in 2018, when we were like trying to convince ourselves he could play shortstop is hilarious to look back on. Like he started over 40 games at shortstop in 2018. Uh, how far we've come to him being like a good, but flawed left fielder uh, when he was just a, a middle infield prospect, not that long ago.
0: Yeah. Um, the other part of this trade is uh, a top, 100 prospect and one of the best prospects in all of baseball and somebody who made his major league debut a season ago and he hit 319 in in 25 games as uh, a, a member of the blue jays gabriel moreno who's a tremendous defender um he's a tremendous hitter for average uh the the extra base power hasn't been there either in the minor leagues or in the major leagues he had two extra base hits in 73 plate appearances a season ago but i mean would he have have been able to to improve on those numbers would he have eventually found the power at, at the major league level quite possibly but he's if you're trying to win a world series in 2023 he's obviously the least bankable commodity the blue jays could have gone to war with
1: he is, and I think that the the power is going to come around at least enough for him to be like a ten home run guy. And if you're a a good bat to ball skill guy that also plays a good a good catcher position and hits ten home runs, like you don't have to do a ton at the plate as a catcher to get where you need to go in terms of big time value. So I see the path to that. I see the path for him being a a you know high two eighties two ninety hitter with with low double digit pop and good catching defense. This is a case of you got to give something up to get something. And like you said, it's more of a timeline thing than anything else. You could convince me Moreno is more valuable than Varsho in a vacuum. I'd probably believe you given the age and control and and the position, but the Toronto blue Jays are in it to win it right now and had a need to address. So yeah, Moreno made the most sense to go out. Um, I, I will just point out while he had next to no power this year, um, he had dealt with through 2021 a little bit of this year a pretty persistent thumb thing and prior to that in the minors like his double a turn in 2021 uh, single a in 2019 rookie ball before that he was pretty consistently um you know like around 200 isolated power so slugging minus batting average um I think there's some reason to believe that could come back yeah he's he's good i
0: don't think anybody's expects um gabriel moreno to be like a non-entity at the major league level he's he's shown like right out of the gates that he was was able to to play the 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 position defensively and at least hit for average in the major leagues but you got to give something up to get something and clearly with three catchers and not enough lefty bats and certainly not enough lefty bats in the outfield the blue jays had to pull off a move like that um so it's, that was uh, today's top story, and it was brought to you by Thornhill Toyota. When we come back, we'll continue this conversation about the Blue Jays' uh, big move for Dalton Varsho, giving up Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Gabriel Moreno as we talk to Ben Nicholson-Smith of the At The Letters podcast and Sportsnet, sportsnet.ca, and Kylie McDaniel, ESPN Baseball Insider. As the fan drive time continues, Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. fan drive time sportsnet 590 the fan ben ennis and blake murphy and if you missed it blue jays getting a trade in before the holidays they have traded gabriel moreno and lourdes guriel jr to the arizona diamondbacks for outfielder dalton varsho it's a big deal and the blue jays are pretty good defensively across all three outfield spots at the moment let's talk to our pal ben nicholson smith of the At the Letters podcast, Sportsnet, Sportsnet.ca. How's it going, Ben? Happy holidays.
2: Happy holidays, guys. A little uh, snowy out there, uh, but uh some very interesting developments in the Major League Baseball world.
0: Yeah. Um let let's talk about the return and 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 what you think of the the pieces going out and what do you think of of Varsho coming back? Like it, on the surface, what was your initial takeaway did you did you feel like that the Blue Jays gave up too much or just right? Like, how do you feel about what
2: they gave up? I have thought that this structure made sense for a while. Um, it's one of the, <clears throat> excuse me, it's one of the structures that I think made sense on paper um, for the last couple months. So I'm not surprised at all that this would be a deal that would um, end up working for both sides. The Diamondbacks just have all those outfielders. They clearly wanted a catcher. And I think once the Blue Jays traded away Teoscar Hernandez, and were trying to add offensively at the same time, you start looking at it, and it becomes a bit harder to trade a Jansen or a Kirk, and then also improve your offense. So I think that this move makes sense for uh, the Jays. Adding Lourdes was a little wrinkle that I didn't necessarily see coming. Clearly, the Diamondbacks wanted him in there to even this out, but the Jays. Get the best player in the deal. Varsha is a really good player. You know, obviously, as you guys know, really strong defensive player and someone that can help the Jays um, on both sides of the ball starting in 2023.
1: So you had mentioned, Ben, prior to this move that, uh, and not you had mentioned, but you'd pass on that Ross Atkins mentioned, um, that their next move was probably going to be more about Run creation, then run prevention, which uh, I'm sure we're all going to have locked in our heads as the new way of saying offense and defense uh, forever. So (laughs) Varsho isn't nothing as a hitter. Uh, If we look at some of the catch-all offensive statistics, though, he is not quite the all-around hitter that Lourdes Gurriel was, Um, certainly not for average and and roughly equivalent for OBP. A lot more power, and of course, from the left side, Um, When you look at Guriel's inclusion, do you see this as a run prevention move? Um, Or or is there something they see in Varsho, whether it be the the pull stuff, something with Guriel, that this could be a run creation move as well?
2: Yeah, it's interesting because you look at the projections for what they might do in 2023, and they're pretty comparable. I mean, you look at Steamer, for instance, sees them both as... Above-average offensive players, of course, that makes sense, given their track records. Um, but, you know, neither one is, is light years ahead of the other, both probably maybe 10% above league average as we move forward here. So then defensively is where you see the big difference between those two players because Varsho is a way better defender than Lourdes Gurriel Jr., and he's here for four years instead of one. So it's a, it's a move that gives the Blue Jays a bit more long-term certainty in the outfield. It's a move that helps them defensively. And then offensively, I mean, we'll see. He's certainly younger. So that in itself is, is probably um, tilts things a little bit in his favor. Just 26 years old for Varsho. Um, the left-handed bat is a, a plus, of course, for a Jays lineup that has tilted pretty far to the right in recent years. So uh, at this point, I'd say it's pretty neutral offensively, though. But the Jays are open to adding further. So I don't think this is the end of their search for offensive upgrades.
1: Well, that's what I was going to go to next, Ben. Is not only does Varsho have much more uh, team control, to use the the buzzy term, um, with, with three additional years, but he projects to make significantly less than Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Uh, this coming offseason. Significantly less, not in the like grand baseball scheme, but in the we're filling out the last few spots of the roster uh, scheme. Um, Varsho is projected to make about three point two million less then Lourdes Gurriel Jr. will make this coming season. Um, That based on MLB Trade Rumors arbitration projections for Varsho. Um, I know that the Jays had said money wasn't a a concern at this point anyway. They had more room to add. Um, But how meaningful could that little bit of extra breathing room in the budget or around the CBT be when it comes to adding that last um, bench bat?
2: It never hurts. That's for sure. It definitely never hurts when you have uh, a little bit um, more room to work with, but certainly haven't gotten the impression from the Blue Jays this off season that they're really up against it payroll wise. So even if they do, let's say they add someone for 5 million at this point to round out the bench and, you know, still have some room at that point for a Nathan Lucas or Spencer Horwitz to come in Um, maybe even, you know, a minor league uh, invitee. Like this is a, a Jays bench that has some open spots on it right now, but, even if they do spend 5 million on that player and bring him in to take, you know, one of the spots on that bench, I still think that they would have room mid-season to add more payroll. Just based on everything we've heard from Mark Shapiro and just the the moves that they've made, they're really not hesitating to take on more obligations payroll-wise. So I think that flexibility still will remain, but of course, never hurts to create a bit more freedom in the meantime and uh we'll see how they use it because certainly they've been pretty aggressive with it so far
0: how, how do you view varsho um and and the way he will be used by the blue jays next season because obviously we know the defense in in the outfield is uh is great it's awesome really really good uh the defense in limited sample of catcher pretty good too we also know that the platoon splits are pretty uh pretty dramatic against left-handed pitching um, how, how do you think the, the Blue Jays are, are going to deploy
2: him? I think he'll mostly be an everyday player, an outfielder. I think that, you know, with Kevin Kiermaier in Toronto, I would think Kevin Kiermaier plays center. Um, now, how that works with the corners, I would think that Varsho is in left and George Springer's in right field. But we could see Varsho in right if Springer's aging. We could see Varsho in center if Kiermaier is getting a day off. Um, So I think there are a lot of different configurations within that outfield mix. And certainly he's played in different spots and excelled, obviously, as a defensive outfielder in his time in Arizona. But I don't think we're going to see him catch all that much. I think he caught uh, 15 or 20 games for the Diamondbacks last year, and he's been catching pretty regularly. But I got the sense that the Diamondbacks, if they had kept him, would have moved him into more of a full-time outfield role. And I think with the Blue Jays, probably somewhere between an emergency catcher and someone who's a third catcher. So is that five to 10 games a year? Like that's probably the range that I would guess for him to catch. Um, you know, if there's a double header, for instance, if, if there's, um, if there's a need for it, then certainly he could do that, um, and do it comfortably and do it well. But I don't, I think he's basically an outfielder for this team.
0: Yeah, no, the catching thing is interesting because, um, yeah, it's a pretty good one-two combo to have Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk as as your your two catchers, especially going into the postseason. And we saw a configuration where one of them was the DH and one of them was the catcher, and, and we'll see. What the uh, additional bats are the Blue Jays add before opening day, if in fact there are some. I do. I mean, neither guy has been the epitome of health either, though. Over the last two years, like, what if one of those goes, one of Danny Jansen or Alejandro Kirk goes down? So, what it sounds like you're saying is that Varsha would probably not be moved into, you know, uh, that that number two catcher position. That maybe there's another move for, like, maybe a quad A catcher type.
2: Uh, Yeah, I could see that. I could see that for sure, just because you want Varsho in the outfield. Um, You know, you want him patrolling um, the outfield and making an impact for you there. I don't know that you'd necessarily want him in a role where he's catching half of his games. Um, Now, if it was for a week, then sure. And maybe that's the sort of situation where this actually saves you having to add someone to the 40 man, gives you a bit more roster flexibility. That's fine. But if Jansen tears a hamstring, he's out six weeks, I think at that point, you're probably calling someone up from AAA to to pair with Kirk, because again, you don't want Kirk catching you know three days in a row all the time. So at, in that situation, you're probably bringing someone up from AAA to pair with Kirk, make sure that he's not getting overexposed, and you kind of need Varsha in the outfield at this point, because unless you want to play with Merrifield every day or put Kevin Bishu in the outfield, they really do only have three true outfielders on the roster at this point.
0: Yeah. Uh, That makes a ton of sense. So um, we understand you got to give up something to get something, and and the Blue Jays certainly gave up a couple of major league caliber players in this deal, uh, giving up Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Gabriel Moreno. It's also notable that uh, Teoscar Hernandez was traded away this offseason. Teoscar and, and Lourdes seemingly are Vlad Jr.'s best buds on this team. You can speak more to this, Ben, being around this team a lot more than me. It, it, is there anything to read into that or is that 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 was a, a position that the, the Blue Jays had some some depth that they they were willing to deal from and that it, it just so happens that those guys were were very close to Vlad?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, of course, those those players were definitely well liked and, and Teoscar has a lot of friends in that clubhouse, Vlad and, and others and a lot of friends in that organization um, and I'm sure still does. You know, I, I heard at the time that that J. Oscar was traded. Of course, that's one that hit hard for Vlad Jr. from what I heard. I mean, they're very, very close. They spend a lot of time together in the off season with their families. And so, you know, that's never ideal. Um, but at the same time, you know, Vlad Jr. grew up around this game. He's no stranger to the business side of it. And I haven't spoken to him personally about it at uh, this point. We haven't heard from Vlad in a while. But, you know, I would think that there's an understanding that sometimes – these things happen and it's uh, frustrating in the moment or, you you know, you don't get to hang out with that, that friend as much, but I'm sure that having grown up around the game, Vlad Jr. understands the business side of things and um, the need to win. um, And, and that can take some very different forms. And certainly we're seeing more of an overhaul than the Jays probably had to make on paper, but these are some really big changes and it, it should lead to a better defensive outfield, which is something pretty significant.
0: Uh, what about Brian Reynolds? Were were the Blue Jays involved in those conversations? Uh, did they not like the the price tag for Brian Reynolds? Like, was that ever a realistic possibility for this team?
2: I, they definitely checked on Brian Reynolds, and he's a good outfielder. Obviously, someone who would be would have been a fit in the same way that Varsho is a fit. Um, I, I think at the same time, Moreno was probably less of a fit for the pirates, uh, because they have Henry Davis and another young catcher coming up in their system. So at that point, you probably look off of the catching position, which really was the Jays' biggest area of strength. And so do you really, and I'm speculating here when I say this, but do you want to give up a Ricky Tiedemann to get a Brian Reynolds? And at that point, I mean, trading away a young pitcher with a chance to impact the major league team in a big way in 2023, you really don't want to be cavalier in doing that. So I think that the fit with Arizona just was better because Arizona definitely wanted a catcher and the Jays were willing to get one up.
1: So Ben, we look around the the field now for the Blue Jays and there is a premium defender at almost every position, maybe eight of the nine, depending on what how you value certain metrics and, and things like that. When you look at this Jays pitching staff, we know... Bassett and Gosman were heavy ground ball guys who the shift maybe didn't play into their favor anyway. Um, We know that Kikuchi and Mitch White and Jose Brios dealt with some issues, not only with balls in play, but uh, also balls leaving play. Um, When you look at what the Jays have changed defensively, who do you think in this rotation stands to benefit the most from this kind of vamped up outfield here?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I mean, Barrios is someone who comes to mind. Uh, we had a piece at Sportsnet.ca yesterday where Nick Ashbourne looked at some of the fly ball distribution for various uh, players, various pitchers on the Jays, and Barrios has a lot of fly balls that go to center field. So that's uh, an area where if you've got Kiermaier and Varsho out there on pretty much an everyday basis, that's going to be big i mean jays had some good defensive outfielders last year too bradley zimmer could go get it jackie bradley jr and obviously springer when he's healthy is really good but i I think it's tough to do a lot better than the kiermaier varsho combination i think that you know any any fly ball pitcher probably all these pitchers will benefit to some extent um and i haven't zoned in you know in, in too much of a granular way yet but Barrios comes to mind as a guy who could benefit from having more fly balls caught
0: Yeah, it's going to be a fun team to watch, uh, especially defensively next season. Ben, uh, happy holidays. Thanks for doing
2: this. You got it. Happy holidays to both of you and everyone listening as well.
0: Uh, There's Ben Nicholson-Smith at the letters, sportsnet, sportsnet sportsnet.ca. Defense matters. Defense is also very fun to watch and like an underrated part of the sport, right? Like if you're a casual baseball fan, you, you think about home runs being pretty sweet, which they are. And they are certainly the best thing you can do in the sport, <laughs> but like defense matters, man, and when you have elite defense at third base, holy cow, watching match Happen every day, you notice it watching elite defense in all three outfield positions it, it's it's going to impact this pitching staff more than maybe you realize.
1: Yeah, and from an entertainment standpoint, look, I don't know that you could ever replicate the fun and the smiles of Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Teoscar Hernandez. And I know Jays fans have their hang-ups with Kevin Kiermaier from being at Tampa Bay Ray for so long. Uh, but pal of mine and MLB Network radio voice Mike Farron tweeted out a couple minutes ago, and this is a quote, I've gotten to know Dalton Varsho pretty well over the last couple years. Just a terrific guy who I think will flourish with the Jays. He plays with football player intensity and at that oh, wow. same speed. So I I know that the the gritty, try-hard stuff, those things get thrown around fairly often to sell certain player types. But Mike Farron doesn't throw those things around willy-nilly. He's not that he's a great guy, but he's not that forthcoming with flowery compliments. <laughs> um so for him to put the flag in the ground with Dalton Varsho. That, that's an exciting bit too. By the way, I had asked Ben there. I, I was trying to bait him a little bit with that question because the answer, at least if we're looking at just fly ball rate and how many balls were hit into the outfield but didn't leave the park, Alec Manoa was like mm. by far on this team, uh, the guy who had the most balls in play in the outfield last year. So if you are looking at, Maybe you're looking at Manoa's profile and thinking, well, there could be, you know, a little bit of regression. His steamer is only 407, whatever. Um, Maybe that really, really low batting average on balls in play he had can continue because there's now an even better defensive outfield behind him.
0: Ooh, I like that. I like that uh, theory. I like that thought process. This, This Blue Jays pitching staff as a whole only has really one huge strikeout guy in Kevin Gossman. He doesn't put the ball in play. And when he did last year, they found holes somehow. He was extremely unlucky. But everybody else, including Alec Manoa and certainly Chris Bassett, have the ball put in play. Bassett mostly on the ground. But, um, yeah, having elite defense across all three outfield positions, not going to hurt, uh, to say the, the uh, very least. Let's talk to Kyla McDaniel now, ESPN baseball insider, kind enough to join us on uh, the Friday before Christmas. Kylie, thanks for doing
3: this. Yeah, thanks for having me. My in-laws haven't arrived yet, so you guys
0: timed it really well. <laughs> All right, great. Um, we'll, we'll we'll not keep you too long then, because uh, God knows you want to get uh, some some in-law time in there. Um, so well, I get so away what from
3: the... them by cooking. So I'll I'll, I'll smoke a pork <laughs> butt or something like that to get okay. them. Space, but go ahead. <laughs> All right. Uh, what are the Blue Jays getting in Dalton Varshow here? So he's really interesting. I, I I feel like I sometimes use unique too often, but let me tell you. Let me ask you this one. How many times have you heard? son of a former big leaguer, mid-major yeah. Division One college catcher, <laughs> built like a fire hydrant, is also an above-average defensive center fielder. I'm, I'm not sure there's a comp for that. So that's what you're getting. He also was you know, a second-round pick. People thought he could hit. There might be power, and he's come into both of them, has immediately started performing. And I pointed out on Twitter the the other big name rumored to be a trade target in the center field market, Brian Reynolds. Uh, Dalton Barshow, like at-bat for at-bat, game for a game, has been a better center fielder both offensively and defensively.
1: All right. Well, that's uh, that's good to hear. And I, I'm with you. There's the you know, you can kind of go through Dalton Varsho's profile, whether it's his baseball reference page, Wikipedia, whatever Um, you can. You can dig up Kylie McDaniels old reports on him at, at FanGraphs too. Um, whatever you do. It, it's kind of fascinating point after fascinating point. And I think, yeah, on a team that has Alejandro Kirk, maybe it won't stand out that much that he, Dalton Varsho is built like me and is an elite center fielder. Um, that's a funny one. Also, the the strategy of the Jays having so many second-generation players continues to roll on. Um, Kylie, when you look at, you, you just compared Dalton Varsho to um, Brian Reynolds for us in terms of potential Blue Jays trade targets to, to address this outfield spot. When you see Lourdes Gurriel Jr. outbound in that trade and you now look at where the Jays are, Kiermaier and Varsho in, Gurriel and Teoscar Hernandez out inter- for the outfield. Um, that's obviously a big defensive gain. Where are you on how big a downgrade that is offensively? Because I know Lourdes, Teoscar's Teoscar, but Gurriel is uh, a bit of a divisive hitter.
3: Yeah, I, I'm not super high on Gurriel, and I thought Teoscar, while he's like a, a bit of a later bloomer, is already past the sort of traditional. Uh, peak years offensively so there is some thought to he maybe be like both of them are sort of above average hitters of various stripes obviously not the same guy and neither one of them brings a ton of defensive value I was told right when uh, Cody Bellinger got um, non-tendered by the Dodgers oh look I've heard Toronto they are looking to add like outfield defense is like their priority and he is a guy that may or may not hit but will definitely play good center field bring some versatility and will be like a one or two year deal. And it sounded like Boris settled on exactly one year because he wants to have a big platform here now with the Cubs and hit the market again. So it wasn't surprising to see them then pivot to Kiermaier who was the next best center field option on the free agent market really are the only three. Brandon Nemo getting, you know, tons of money. I think it was $160 million. Uh, and then Kiermaier and Bellinger. Those are the three options. And Kiermaier obviously has had durability issues. Might be more of a platoon guy. He's a little bit of a band-aid. And so they needed to add a real outfielder. It sounds like the ask on Reynolds was huge. And the ask on Varsho was palatable because Arizona wanted Gabriel Moreno and Toronto needed to trade a catcher because they just can't get all three of these guys in the lineup on the same day. Moreno had the most, um, most, most value to offer. And ironically, both teams... Uh, you know, basically trade a left fielder for a left fielder in terms of where they're going to slot in for their teams, but obviously not the same player, not the same amount of control, all those sorts of things.
0: Uh, Varsho's 26, um, and he's already, I mean, hit 27 home runs in the major leagues of baseball a season ago. But I, I wonder if there's any upside offensively with him. He, he's, it seems like he's at the tippy-top uh, peak uh, of his uh, powers defensively, but is is there anything more to be had uh, with his with his offensive profile?
3: Yeah, I mean, if he can do what he did last year and, you know, Hit 27 home runs. You just had to pull that up to make sure. 27 is, I think, the most anybody thought he would ever do, even in Double A AA and Triple A. What people thought. I think they thought he'd be more of a hitter with less power. So there's a little bit of a trade-off there. But I think in terms of like, if, if you go to like WRC plus or wOBA or some of these all-encompassing offensive metrics, it had him a little bit above average. And I think that's what you can expect. Is you know maybe he ends up being more hit than power. Maybe he makes that adjustment later in his career. Maybe it's next year. Maybe he goes back and forth. There could be a lot of different ways of doing it. But expecting to get an above-average offensive and defensive player that can play center, can play left and right, could probably play first or second. I remember when I was with the Braves, I went to go watch him, and he was catching one day, and then I think he was playing second the next day. And you just kind of see the body, and then you get a plus run time, and you're just like, what in the world's going on here? Like, I think you pretty much put him anywhere except for shortstop.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's... Yeah, that's that's a lot of fun, and you know the catcher side of this is interesting because, um, Kyle. I guess I'll just ask from a roster building standpoint: How valuable do you think it is that Varsho? I don't think they intend to play him at catcher very often, but if you're a team that's going to have Alejandro Kirk or Danny Jansen DHing fairly often, I'd have to imagine Varsho is like a nice little safety net in that regard, even if you don't want to play him there often.
3: Yeah, it's now in retrospect is not surprising looking at the trade to be like, oh, they got a son of a former big leaguer guy that can technically be your third catcher, but is a good defensive outfielder. If Kiermaier is hurt, he can play center. He'll probably play left. Uh, and then also you get a bunch of years of control, cost control. Uh, I think it's four years of control. Uh, it obviously checks all the boxes for what Toronto was expected to do this off season and has been doing for years. So in retrospect, it seems kind of obvious after after it came out that the Reynolds price was really high, and Reynolds is more of a center field, left field tweener that can hit, whereas Varsho is more of a definite center fielder. Uh, even if you won't necessarily play there every day, because I think Kiermaier is pr- pr- you know arguably one of the best in the whole league, and Varsho is merely just above average to plus.
0: Uh, what is your outlook on on Gabriel Moreno? Who who hit? Um, he had an over three hundred batting average in his limited sample at the major leagues last year, and obviously his minor league track record's real, real good and great defender at that position. Um, and you got to give up something to get something. But what what is your outlook on Gabriel Moreno?
3: Yeah, the, I, think the, I was a little surprised when I saw that it was a two-for-one that Moreno had the lower of the value of the two players, and that seems to be a function of the market, that just the center field market, uh, as I mentioned, it was Kiermaier and Bellinger were sort of iffy starters, and Nemo was the one that only a couple teams would pay that price. And so trying to get a center fielder, that's why you had to pay up. It wasn't necessarily anything about Moreno as a player, and for the Jays, obviously, you know, Kirk and Jansen are proven big league guys. And Marino is, you know, I I would say probably the fourth or fifth prospect in baseball right now. If I had to do my top 100, he's certainly in the top 10. He's probably not one or two, but he's in that like three through 10 area. And it's really good hitter has done it at every level, except for, you know, sort of a full season or two in the big leagues. There is enough power. Is it 10, 12, 15? Could it eventually be 20 homers? That's sort of the question. But the athlete, the, the defense, the arm, all those sort of intangibles and things that you like to get behind the plate, he has all that stuff. And so the question is just, is it going to be okay power? Is it going to be good power? And we've seen examples of guys like Will Smith and JT Real Muto that have the tools, and then later in their career, you know, 23, 24, 25, they come into the power and it becomes a real tool. So that's sort of the allure, is he could be that complete Buster Posey JT Real Muto. Like, those things are on the table. That's why he's ranked so high. But even if he's just, you know, a version of what he is right now, that's still one of the top ten catchers in baseball.
0: Well, uh, we wish him well. Um, as he is an Arizona Diamondback now. Uh, Kylie, I really appreciate you taking the time today, and uh, good luck with the in-laws.
3: Yeah, and I'll call you guys off air to ask about poutine recipes. I've been looking into that as well.
1: (laughs) It's very simple. Uh, All
3: right, see you, Kylie. Uh, Thanks.
0: There's Kylie McDaniel, ESPN Baseball uh, insider. And, yeah, there's no recipe for, for poutine. It's just fries and gravy and cheese curds.
1: Yeah, just dump it all in there. That's like asking for the recipe for mac and cheese. It's right there in the name. Mac Mac cheese. (laughs) Um, By the way, if you wanted to be optimistic about Dalton Varsho's potential to improve at the plate, uh, someone who knows more about these things than I do said that the swing really reminds him of early Chase Utley which is uh, you know, a guy who had like a decade of being a well-above-average hitter around sure playing did. very good defense, not, not a terrible swing comp. Um, but I have an exciting defensive stat for you, Ben. Oh, give it to me. So I had queued BNS up for, hey, who has the highest fly ball rate on the Blue Jays? And what I was trying to get at is who might benefit the most from an upgraded defensive outfield. As it turns out, the answer is everyone. Uh, the Blue Jays. <laughs> so I did a stat cast search for uh, baseball savant search for most batted balls in the outfield that were not home runs. Mm-hmm. Three Blue Jays starters were in the top 22. Wow. Jose Brios, Kevin Gosman, Alec Manoa. Now, some of that is just like, Those guys pitched a lot, and that's a a hard thing to account for. But Barrios was also among the leaders on a percentage basis. Um, Kevin Gosman, pretty high on a percentage basis. Manoa's the one guy who, like, it was a little... His rank's a little inflated by the fact that he just pitched so, so much. Uh, But, yeah, turns out a really good outfield defense could benefit all these guys. Uh, Maybe Barrios... Chief among them, he was eighth in the league in balls and play in the outfield last year.
0: Wow! And, and but the Blue Jays, as a whole, despite the fact that they had two kind of average to below average defenders in the outfield, did pretty well in outfield defense because of the shift. Like they were able, they put their outfielders in tremendous positions to catch baseballs, and they'll be able to position them the same way, except they'll only be able to have three of them, right? And quite often, yes. I think they were one of the 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 biggest users of uh, four outfield defensive alignment probably don't need it if you got two guys that that cover a ton of ground and george springer no slouch either in a corner outfield spot it's really even if you do need
1: it you're not allowed so that's true (laughs) good luck Um, yeah pretty pretty big change there i think
0: yeah so i it's 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 um maybe not i I don't know how the the casual is viewing this um whether they're looking at it as just like as the, the the defensive upgrade that it is and that's, that the Blue Jays put a premium on defense and maybe not offense. But I I, I, I just think you get the best of both worlds with, with Varsho hitting
1: 27 home runs a season ago. Yeah, and one last thing just to keep, just to wrap up the defense. Um, Barrios and, and Gosman, both, so I mentioned they're both near the top of the league in how often balls in play went in the outfield last year, not leaving the park. They both also had... Pretty significant gaps in actual outcomes and expected outcomes based on the batted ball data. So when you hear people talk about X average or X slug or X WOBA, mm-hmm. um, just that's just Statcast taking in everything we know about how the ball was hit and what should happen. Um, Brios and Gosman were both "quote unquote" losers when it comes to outcomes versus expectations. So uh, again, two guys who could really benefit from this. Uh, we know that Gosman. Had the the all time bad BABIP season last year, um, yeah. some some confidence that maybe Barrios can get back there too. Although the better answer than any of that is just like don't allow a lot of balls in play to the outfield, um, correct? Because that means you're missing. That's how Kevin Gosman
0: was able to, to yeah he was able to overcome the fact that he had bad luck on balls in play because he yeah. just he just didn't allow that a bunch. So yeah, that's the number one uh, thing you want to do. You know what? We haven't talked about the bullpen. But the the bullpen, not exactly a bunch of flamethrowers either that are striking people out. And, yeah, Eric Swanson had big strikeout numbers, doesn't throw hard. And Jordan Romano, certainly that guy. wonder if this maybe allows you to, yeah, have a little bit more contact out of your bullpen uh, in 2023. It's going to be a fun team to watch defensively. We have uh, gone an hour into the show and naturally focused on the breaking news, but we haven't talked about how your Jags are going to the playoffs. Like it's, It's happening now. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill is like out for the season, maybe. So that's. Uh, I,
1: I got to tell you, man. I don't. I, I'm not going to give free press away or anything like that. But uh, the fact that I was at a bar watching a Jaguars game and no one was mad that a Jaguars yeah. game was on. <laughs> what a world to live in. Yep,
0: yeah, it's a wild one. We'll talk about it with Ross Tucker, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Next as the Fan Drive Time continues. Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.